Um, so I just personally, I want to, you know, take this time to, you know, thank um, coach and pastor Dennis, because, you know, he's been on this ride for a good while, like we just talked about before we jumped on and you know, when I reached out to him, you know, with the world opening back up, there's, you know, many schedule changes. And when I asked him, it was like, it's no problem, you know, and we've heard his comments, we've heard his prayers, but now to have you in the speaker seat, I'm telling you, my spirit has been like hopscotch and you know, double Dutch. I've been sitting there waiting. And so I'm just super excited. I'm proud of the man you are and to even connect and know you. Um, and I thank you so much just for what you do. So I'm going to go ahead and pass the torch to you because I think we are ready. <laughs> well, thank you so much, um, Coach. I, I'm just so blessed. I, I really am. I've been blessed by this as I, I've shared with you uh, privately and I've shared with anybody connected to me. It's really been an oasis for me. And uh, I see my sister in the faith, uh, Reverend Dr. Cheryl Hill Herder, Jersey's in the building. So I know uh, we've got somebody interceding for us. And we're really grateful uh, to have this time together. And then the subject matter itself, uh, servant leadership is something that's really near and dear to me. And I want to just briefly uh, share with you kind of how I began to pursue the study of servant leadership uh, in earnest. Some years ago, a friend of mine asked me to come down to speak to his sales force He's blessed to have a, a relatively large business in Center City, Philadelphia, and has, you know, numerous salespeople that work for him. And he invited me down and he says, I want you to motivate them. And uh, he was going, you know, compensate me and all of the rest. But the point was, and the thing that stuck out at me was twofold. He says, uh, I want you to come and motivate them, but no preaching. Now, my primary gift, by the way, is exhortation. So to tell somebody that has the gift of exhortation, not to preach or proselytize or exhort. Uh, that's a tough thing. But it's his, you know, I was on his dime. It's his people. So I was trying to be obedient. But that kind of stuck with me that folks want to benefit from your gift, but they want to control and manipulate your gift at the same time. So I go down and, and I'm grateful for the assignment. And um, I, 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 they read my bio and I guess they're trying to make me feel comfortable. And one of the gentlemen slid a leadership book across the, the, the conference room desk. And he says, uh, uh, surely you must be familiar with this. And it happened to be the former Chrysler chair, Lee Iacocca's book, um, Where Have All the Leaders Gone? And uh, truth be told, I was not familiar with that particular book at the time, but it has, you know, the nine C's of leadership. And the reason that I begin there, beloved, is because what struck me when I finally, several days later, got a chance to dive into the book, I was struck by the fact that many of our Christian leadership books looked very similar to this secular leadership book. And I'm saying to myself, now, how is it possible that we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of us, but as it relates to leadership and the topic of leadership, we really are on par with what the world is doing? So I began in earnest to pray and fast and seek the Lord's direction. And what came to me is what we're going to share uh, this afternoon. Now, I should warn you or caution you that I myself have tried to disconnect myself from what God has given me to give you all uh, about seven times. I said, now, Lord, that don't go with that. That can't connect with that. And, and, you know, maybe Coach Paul will do it next time. Maybe one of the other brothers will do it. But, but this can't be. And the more I tried to get away from it, 
the more God kept leading me back to it. The more I said, God, this can't be it. God brought me back to it. So I solicit your prayers because we're going to attempt today to tackle two very, very different passages of scripture, all under the guise of servant leadership. And what we're going to explore a little bit today during our time together is the model that Jesus used to train disciples. Not, not the model that the world is using to equip leaders, but the model that Jesus used to train disciples. So I call your attention to Luke chapter uh, number five. Now, Coach Chelsea, I am an excitable preacher. Uh, so if I go long or if I'm, you know, just, just reel me back in, uh, you know, deputize somebody to say, bring them back, bring them back, however you got to do it. Uh, but I'm an excitable preacher. I was blessed by um, uh, Sister Dorothy, uh, the writer for the WNBA and for, for, for um, the NBA. And she blessed me. She shared, you know, her um, background in Catholicism. My background is in Catholicism, too. Uh, and after I left Catholicism, after I came into the faith tradition that I currently, all of my time now in the church has been uh, predominantly in the African-American church setting, uh, specifically the Pentecostal church setting. Now, the reason that I mention that is that means I'm a, a participatory type preacher. So you got to say amen, say ouch, lift your hand, do something, because if you don't do something, then I'm just going to assume you're not getting it and I have to continue. And so, you know, I want you to say something. And we have a couple of rules here at the home church. Uh, if you can't say amen, say ouch, but please say something. And so in Luke chapter five, we are privy now uh, to what we will call the initial call of some of the initial disciples. And it is from there that I want to pull out a couple of things. I want to teach today about the five values of the kingdom. I'm going to give you five values of a servant leader. And I'm going to admonish you to understand that God doesn't only want us to learn them so that we can recite or regurgitate them. He wants us to learn the values of the kingdom so that we can make them applicable in our life. I should add that there will never be anyone that is entrusted to kingdom leadership or kingdom ministry that does not learn and make applicable in their lives the values of the kingdom. So in Luke chapter 5, uh, beginning at verse number 1, you'll find these words recorded. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch into the deep and let down your nets for a drought or for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night long and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. It's interesting in this call, this initial encounter with the disciples, that the word of God records that they were fishermen. But when Jesus encounters them, they had gone out of the boat. Now, what we know from reading the passage that Peter rather transparently communicates his frustration. He says, Master, we toiled all night long, but caught nothing. I think there's something in that for leaders, regardless of who or what it is that you're leading. Our problem is in seasons of frustration, we seemingly think that we have to stick and stay. We don't give ourselves permission to do what Peter and his colleagues were wise enough to do 
which is remove yourself from the source of the frustration. That boat would have indeed been a source of frustration because his own words suggest that they had spent all night long on it, but not able to produce the results that they were seeking. So don't be afraid, leader, to disconnect yourself, albeit temporarily or briefly, to gather your thoughts, to get yourself together. Don't be afraid to disconnect yourself from the source of, a, of, of the frustration. And so the other thing that I think is fascinating about this is that Luke chapter 5, among the synoptic writers, he gives us something and includes something that seems like a detail that doesn't really matter, when in actuality, it is the crux of the entire text. He says that they were removed from the boat because they were washing, and one account says they were washing and mending their nets. Now, understand that these are commercial fishermen. Understand that this would have been a tedious task. It would have required great effort, and it would have been something that they were doing on the heels of a season of frustration. All of us as leaders have things that we have to do, whether we are victorious or whether we've suffered the L, whether we are on the mountaintop or whether we're in the valley. But what I love about this account is they were doing something that they knew was necessary, even though they were frustrated. Here's the point. Do not discard in your frustration that what you're going to need in the next season. Peter was wise enough to know that even though we did not get the results that we desired, he was wise enough, the scripture says, to wash and mend his nets. How often in our lives do we find ourselves balling up in frustration, discarding things or maybe even people that we are going to need again in the next season? So please, beloved, even in your frustration, make sure that you maintain stewardship over that which God has entrusted to you. I want to say this, and I've really sensed this with this particular group. You know, if you said to 10 Christians that God is a God of purpose, I would assume that 9 out of 10, if not 10 out of 10, would say, well, of course God is a God of purpose. There would be no real pushback on that. But what we don't spend enough time talking about is that the God that is a God of purpose uses people to pull us into that which he purposed for us. And so we have to be careful to pay attention to the people that God send us. And we have to be careful that we are good stewards, even in our season of frustration. Now, as the narrative unfolds, I bet you that Peter, who was frustrated after fishing all night long without the results that he was seeking, I bet you he was grateful that he took the time to wash and mend those nets. Because when the instruction came later, for him to relaunch or recast out his net, it was in position to do so because he had been a good steward even in a season of frustration. Now, the first value of the kingdom that we see presented here is teachability. The number one value of the kingdom of God is that we must remain teachable. In every instance and in every wise, we must remain teachable. And so what we discover now is that teachability is the first value of the kingdom. And so we have to ask ourselves, even as God opens doors for us, even as opportunities unfold, we have to ask ourselves, am I still teachable? Am I, am I correctable? That, that, they kind of go part and parcel. But we see now that teachability was something that was on display because don't forget now, these were expert fishermen. These weren't guys just out doing it for the weekend or as a hobby. This is their livelihood. In the same way many of your coaches or teachers or educators, this is what you do. 
So to have somebody to give you an instruction that's outside of the world or the realm of what you do, if you're not careful, pride can assert itself. And we all know the dangers of that because scripture said God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So teachability was on display. The second value of the kingdom is flexibility. You've got to be flexible. You can't be rigid because rigid things break easy. Rigid things break easy. You don't want somebody that lacks flexibility in your area of influence. I want folks that are flexible. I, I have a little thing that I do, and I shouldn't confess it because they might watch this later. Uh, I, have a little, I have a little thing that I do to kind of test the waters of a would-be leader at the home church. Sometimes I'll schedule a meeting with somebody that I'm getting ready to give greater responsibility to, and by design, I'll cancel the meeting, by design. Now, somebody will say, that's manipulation. I say, no, it's wisdom. And what I would do is I will cancel the meeting, and what I do is I observe the reaction to the said cancellation. In some instances, you got folks that say, well, pastor, you know, I got things to do and that's awfully rude of you and I rearranged my day to meet with you and you know, the neck goes to moving and everything else. Other folks, they say, well, pastor, um, okay, I I'm not sure what the specifics are, but I'm sure it's important enough that you had to cancel this. Let me, see, that's a leadership gene. They're flexible because rigid things break easy. And in our line of work, whether it's as pastors, whether it's as teachers, educators, or coaches, Man, listen, if this pandemic hasn't taught us anything, it should teach us that we don't control much. So we have to remain flexible. And we see that in demonstration where Jesus says to Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep. Now, I want to encourage the, all of us that have gathered today. You know, when you look at the relationship and the interpersonal relationship of Jesus and these disciples, it's quite fascinating that he even chose them in the first place, right? If you look at their history, they were slow to learn. They were quick to anger. They often misunderstood the methodologies of the master. And in some instances, they were flat out in the way. But yet, he decided every day to teach them. And in every instance, on every occasion, one of the values of the kingdom was being taught, whether they knew it or not. One of the more fascinating things about the earthly ministry of Christ is that he seemingly operated with two syllabus. He had one syllabi for the general public, and he had another syllabus for his inner circle, the disciples, those that would carry on the mantle of the ministry after him. So I'll give you a perfect example of what I mean by that. Scripture tells us that he fed 5,000, not including the women and the children. It was a miracle that the masses got an opportunity to behold. But after the feeding of the multitude, Scripture says that he constrained the disciples to get onto the boat while he himself went separately and pray. That's another thing I want to extract from our time together today. As leaders, we need to make sure that we're spending quality alone time with the Lord so that we could be strengthened before going out to lead whoever it is that we're leading. And so Jesus constrains them to get onto the boat. That's a fancy Greek word that literally means there was a little bit of manipulation that was required to get them to go onto the boat. Now, they didn't know this yet, but they were getting ready to go headlong into a storm. And he was apart praying. And that's what happens in our life whenever God entrusts us to a new revelation. The revelation that I can still a storm was not for the masses. The masses were privy to the fact that he can feed the multitude, but the disciples were constrained to get into a boat and cross over to the other side. And you all know the text by now. They encountered a storm that was horrific. 
and the storm caused them to have language that was unbecoming of somebody that should have known that he was reliable. They started saying things like, you know, master carest thou not that we perish. Another time they were in a storm and Jesus was asleep on the boat. The point is this, beloved, we can't just be teachable, but we've got to be flexible as well. And we see it in demonstration where Peter is instructed to launch out. So he's demonstrating teachability because there's no pushback. There's no resistance. He's being obedient to the one that took over the vessel. He says, launch out. And he says to him, now, listen, I want you to launch your net over there. And now for the first time, we see Peter, you know, talking back, still showing flexibility, but voicing his concern, albeit a little bit. He said, Lord, we, Master, we've, we've fished all night long, but we've caught nothing. And here it is, leader, flexibility. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. And the scripture tells us that it was a good job now that he did, because here it is, a drought of fish that was so significant that they had to call other folks in to help. And I want to just kind of take that strange sidebar now, because we're going to leave Luke chapter 5, and we're going to journey all the way to the Old Testament for note takers, 1 Kings chapter 17. And in 1 Kings chapter 17, still keeping in mind the values of the kingdom, teachability, flexibility, humility, compassion, and integrity, we are privy to the story of another calling, this time by the gentleman by the name of Elijah. And Elijah is fascinating, especially when you understand a Old Testament prophet. We know little or nothing of Elijah's pedigree. We don't know much of where he comes from. It's a small little insignificant seemingly place that most theologians can't even trace on the map. But yet the word of God comes to Elijah and out of obscurity, Elijah is placed on a national platform. And he's given as his initial assignment, the incredible responsibility of going to tell King Ahab, an apostate king, and his controlling and manipulative wife by the name of Jezebel, that there will be a consequence to you leading God's people in apostasy. He tore down everything that resembled worship of Yahweh. He allowed them to worship uh, false gods and all of the rest. And Elijah comes and says, there is going to be a consequence for your stiff-necked way. For leading God's people this way, there'll be no dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, I want you to think about this. What is not recorded, beloved, is that somewhere there was private preparation for a very public manifestation. Somewhere, Elijah was being trained of the Lord the values of the kingdom, be teachable, be flexible, and all of these things. And the first assignment out of the gate is that he is going to prophesy to a very powerful king and his controlling and manipulative wife. And God says to him, because you've done this, Elijah, I want you to go hide by the brook. Now, most preachers say cherith. It's C-H-E-R-I-T-H. But in Hebrew, it's pronounced kerith. He said, I want you to go hide by the brook Kerith. Now, I'm going to sustain you there. He says, I've commanded a raven to bring you bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And the water from the brook is going to sustain you there. I want to just, just briefly suggest that there is in your life and mine a place called there. There is a place where God's prescribed blessings have been allocated for your life. 
The problem with a lot of us though, is that it is so far removed what is our norm that we're sometimes afraid to go. Interesting that the wording says, go hide thyself at the brook Kerith. Go hide yourself. God will hide you sometimes. And what we notice now when he goes down there, the place Kerith in, in Hebrew etymology means the cutting place. And I don't know if you can identify as a leader, but if you've ever been entrusted by God to the cutting place, then you understand what God is doing in that season. He is removing anything of your old nature. He is removing anything of your old dispositions. He's removing any of your old defects of character. But here's the beautiful thing about God. He says, Elijah, I'm going to take you down to the cutting place, but there you're going to become familiar with who I am. And I'm telling you, there is no greater asset that a kingdom leader can have than to know the God who you represent. Because when you do, you realize that God has strategically placed you in that moment for such a time as this. So he's down at Kerith. Now, I don't know if you can identify with this, but he's there. Now, it's interesting to note, he's a prophet to the nation of Israel, but he's down at the cutting place, the brook, for anywhere from one year to three years, based upon the theologian that you garner your information from. The point was, it wasn't a weekend stay. I don't know if you've ever been in a holding pattern in the Lord. I don't know if you've ever been entrusted to a season that is contrary to your norm. I don't know if you've ever been to a place where you're saying, God, this is so far out of the ordinary of what I do and who I am that I just don't have no other recourse but to believe and trust you. He's there. The ravens bringing him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening. And then one day, beloved, he wakes up and the brook is dry. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't mind suffering when I'm outside of the will of God. But wait a minute now, Lord, if I'm where you told me to be and I'm doing what you told me to do, then why has this befallen me? And if you're not careful, you will run into people that try to convince you that every dry brook in your life is an indicator that God's not pleased with you. And I stopped by to tell somebody the dry brook is not the measure of whether or not God's pleased with me. The dry brook is only significant in the text because it was time for Elijah to move on. And how do I know that God was not displeased with Elijah? I know that God was not displeased with Elijah because the word says, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah again, saying, See, God ain't all that different than you and I, coaches, leaders. If God was so taken aback by me or if God fought, fell out with me, God and I wouldn't be on speaking terms. But the fact of the matter is the dry brook. Now, some people in your life will suggest, you, you lost the coaching job. You know, many of you, especially at the collegiate level, you're, you're in a profession that, that really demands that you perform well all the time because if you don't, your job security is in peril. But here's the thing. He was at the cutting place. The brook dries up, but the word of the Lord came to him again, saying. So here we are now. Teachability and flexibility are two of the key values of the kingdom. Teachability, flexibility, and here we go now, humility. Humility is necessary if we are going to be entrusted by God. Can I suggest to you that there are a lot of leaders, a lot of preachers, my preacher friends out there, that want to call down fire at Mount Carmel, but they don't want to be cut at the brook. You cannot be entrusted to call down fire at Mount Carmel if you are not willing to be cut at the brook. And the thing about it is, God is not cutting you 
just to harm you. He's chiseling off of you the things that are not going to serve you well in the capacity that he's ordained for your life. So I don't know about you, but sometimes hindsight is 2020. I didn't thank God for the brook drying up when it dried up. But boy, when I got past that, when I moved into the next season and I looked back and I said, my God, I'm so glad you dried up that brook. Because had you not dried up that brook, had you not removed me from that relationship, had you not allowed that assignment to end, I would still be stuck in a season that is outside of your will and outside of your purpose. And so I'm glad that the brook dried up. Now, the word of the Lord came again to Elijah saying, get thee to Zarephath that belongeth to Zidon, where I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee there. Now, please understand that this would have required great humility on behalf of the prophet Elijah, in large part because he was a prophet called to the nation of Israel. Do you know, as it relates to my gift of exhortation, I had to sit on my gift for numerous of years because it just simply wasn't time yet. I knew that I possessed the gift, even as it relates to coaching. I knew that I was a coach from, from early on. I was the type of guy where if I was at the park, and I seen somebody doing something wrong, I could not resist the urge to go over there and make a correction. I could not resist the urge to go over there and tell them, no, do it like this. Who taught you to do it like that? Don't do it like that again. But what happened was there was no opportunity that presented itself until I learned the third value of the kingdom, humility. Now, some of you were blessed by the ministry of my dear brother, Dr. Chris Hobbs. Well, Dr. Chris Hobbs is the reason that I'm in coaching now. There was a vacancy at the Christian school that I teach at, and here's the job that I went to apply for, Coach. I went to apply for a middle school B basketball team assistant coach. <laughs> you didn't hear what I said. I went to I applied for a middle school B. These are the kids that were too small, too slow, uh, undersized, not yet developed. And I didn't even go for the head coaching job. I went for the assistant coaching job. But Chris Hobbs and I laugh about this all the time. I went with a suit that was straight out of the John Calipari collection. I mean, I had a lavender blazer on. I had gray slacks on. I had a pair of my, uh, my preaching gaiters on. I walked up in that office like I was going for a D1 Power 5 job. Why? Because I knew what was in me. And I don't say that as a braggart. I say that as somebody that's been cut by God. I say that as somebody that qualifies because I've proven to the Lord that I can be teachable, that I can be flexible, and that I possess the spirit of humility. If there is one attribute that you want to seek and harness in God, it's humility. Why? Because it's one of the attributes whereby we guarantee God's presence if we maintain the posture of humility. The word of God says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Man, we, we, we work in a tough world, a difficult profession, and leading people is not as easy as it used to be back in the day. So we're going to need the grace of God afforded to us so that we don't shipwreck or abort what it is that he called us to. So, beloved, he says, now listen, go to Zarephath. Now, this is so strange because Zarephath that belongeth to Zidon is a Gentile territory. He's a prophet to the nation of Israel. He ain't had nobody to prophesy to from one and a half to three year period of time. He must be anxious to use his gift. He must be rearing to go. He must be ready to stir up the gift. But God's sending him to somebody that is well outside of the realm of the norm. And I suggest to you that that's what God's looking to do in this season. He's looking for a leader that can be teachable, flexible, that can possess humility that has integrity and compassion. Can I talk just briefly about compassion? 
when Elijah was sent to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, there was a woman there that was at the very last strand of her rope. In fact, scripture tells us that she was preparing a meal so that her and her son would die. But aren't you glad that in your cutting place, you developed a little bit of compassion? Can I just, I know we're just getting to know each other, but can I be myself? Do you know what drives me crazy about church folks in particular? Church folks drive me crazy that they all of a sudden become indignant about something only after they or theirs get delivered from it. You didn't have no problem with that when you were struggling with it, when your daughter or your son was wrapped up in it. But now that God, by his mercy, has brought you into a place called liberty, now you look down your long religious nose at everybody else that's still in it. Where is your compassion? How come you did not garner any compassion when you were in your cutting place? God doesn't want us as leaders to lord over people. He wants us to compassionately lead them. And all of you know, whether you're coaching, whatever the sport may be, or you're an educator or a preacher like myself, listen, leadership requires you to have discernment. And there's some kids that you coach that you can give them an instruction and you can lead them and you know that it's going to get done exactly the way that you told them to do it. There's others that need a good push. They don't, they don't need you to micromanage, but they need a push in the right direction. And then there's some that you got to flat out take by the hand. And in each instance, especially if you've got to take them by the hand, you can't put your mouth on them. You can't speak ill of them. You've got to have the same compassion that the Holy Spirit showed to you because we didn't arrive at where we are overnight. Somebody prayed for us. Somebody labored with us. Somebody instructed us. Somebody taught us. Somebody came onto our boat in the middle of a season of incredible frustration and said, listen, we're going to do this over. I don't know about you, but I, you got to become a preacher. I felt like going right there. I felt like going right there. Listen, I thank God for every do-over in my life. I thank God for every second chance. And I stopped saying that he's the God of a second chance. He's not the God of a second chance. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here teaching today. He's the God of another chance. And what you do with that next chance has everything to do with whether or not somebody else comes into their purpose. If Elijah did not survive his time at the brook, then the woman that was preparing meal to die would have been dead. But thanks be unto God that Elijah got there and said to her, woman, don't do what you plan on doing. I've got the scars to prove that he's a healer. And sometimes in the coaching profession in particular, we always got our guard up. We're always, we're always on guard. We don't want folks to criticize us because we got enough of that already. But sometimes, beloved, the lesson is in the critique. Sometimes the lesson is, and, and I want to say something about these scars just for a minute. Some time ago, my wife, I don't know, she may be on here, but if she is on here, she's proof that favor is fair in my life. We often say favor is not fair. Favor is fair, but a lot of folks think it's not fair because what it does is it disconnects you from everything that's not purpose for your tomorrow. So the first, the, so the folks that got left behind start saying, well, favor ain't fair. That ain't fair. That ain't fair. Yeah, favor is fair. But listen to what I'm saying about the scar. I got a scar, I had surgery on both of my knees. One was done arthroscopically and one was done the old fashioned way where they cut it, both ACLs, but very different ways that they, that they went about it. And what I discovered about my scar is one day I was in prayer and the Holy Spirit, I was preparing this message from this same chapter. And I started to talk about, I've got the scars to prove it. And the Holy Spirit, I promise you said to me, you're looking at your scars wrong. I said, hmm? He said, you're looking at the scar as the evidence of what hurt you, but I want you to start looking at your scar as the evidence of what I healed you from. 
And that thing was powerful because if you look at the scar on my bony knee, it ain't anything too pretty to look at. But when I touch it, if I bang it, if I do anything to it, it no longer hurts because there's nothing there to hurt. So God said, stop looking at your scars as the evidence of the things that hurt you and start looking at the scars as the evidence of things that I healed you in so that when you get to the widow woman's house in Zarephath, you'll have a testimony that's believable because she'll be able to see from the experience that you had with me that you're operating in teachability, flexibility, and humility. Now here comes the compassion. We have to have compassion for each other again, beloved. We have to have compassion. The Bible says of our Christ that when he looked at the multitude, their bowels moved, his bowels moved with compassion. You know what the great Indian leader Mahatma Gandhi once said? And it's a terrible quote, but I'm going to share it with you because I love you. Mahatma Gandhi once said, I'm so impressed with the Christ of the Christians, but I'm so unimpressed with his followers for they are so unlike their Christ. We have to operate with compassion. Do you know where one of my favorite places in the whole wide world to preach is? Prison. I will jump over four churches to get to one prison. And the reason for that is that was my cutting place, that I'm articulated through a rough place. I was trained up on the backside of the mountain. And so what I do is I go armed with the knowledge of what I know God can do if you give him a vessel that is available to him. That's what Peter did. Peter gave him space for the divine to operate. He gave him the right to be God in his life. He didn't know nothing about him, but he knew this, that I have been frustrated in this season. And I think it's a wonderful thing when church folks are frustrated because what it does, it propels us to seek him. That we say, Lord, we know you're capable of more and we know you're still on the throne. So we must be the reason that you're not moving the way that you desire to move. He got to that woman and he said, woman, because God wants us to go from faith to faith, hope to hope and glory to glory. So God won't ever give you an assignment that you're comfortable with and expect to grow you in it. Oh, no. God gives us just beyond our ability to produce it. God will give you a vision just beyond your budget to obtain it. If you got a pocket full of money, you don't need no faith. You got all the resources in the world. But when you don't have it, but believe God for it, God says, I'm growing you in faith now. So here it is now, and I, I got to go because I could be very long-winded, and I don't want Coach to get all of these emails Said you shouldn't have invited Pastor Dennis. You, you shouldn't have done that. But listen to what happens. Get to the widow woman's house. He has an experience with God that allows her a season that would have never been had he not consented to be cut by God. But let's fast forward through the text now. Eventually, he leaves the, the woman at Zarephath. He gets to the showdown at the prophet uh, with the false prophets and Mount Carmel. And I want to talk just briefly about the spirit of Elijah, because it surfaces uh, uh, the spirit of Jezebel, rather, because it surfaces all the time in our life. And if you're a church person, just forgive me for this, especially the ladies. Forgive all of the preachers that ever taught that Jezebel was the length of your dress or the color of your lipstick. I apologize on behalf of anybody that's ever said that. We limit the Jezebel spirit in the church to a promiscuous woman. But can I tell you what the Jezebel spirit really is? It's a controlling, manipulative spirit that looks to invoke fear on you every time you make up your mind, this is the season I'm going to be what God called me to be. Every time you make up your mind that I was cut at the cutting place, I survived my Zarephath moment, and now I am here for this showdown that I've been preparing for, for the, since the time that God called me. And there was this showdown on Mount Carmel. And now the same prophet that was cut at the brook called Kerith is now calling down fire from heaven. Are y'all with me? 
and what the end result is dead prophets all over the place, right? The Bible says that after defeating the false prophets of Baal, that they buried the dead bodies at a brook called Kishon. That is the exact Hebrew pronunciation, Kishon. So what started at a brook called Kerdiv has its climax at a brook called Kishon. And remember some time ago when I was on with one of the presenters and I, and I talked about victory in the winding places? It is from there that I get that subject matter because Kishon in Hebrew means the winding places. Now, what, what is that? why is that important? Because what we do is we think God somehow is a God of geometrics. What does that mean? In geometry class, we learned that the fastest place from point A to point B is a straight line. Am I talking, is that what we learned? Well, guess what I discovered? And wave at me if this is your testimony. In your coaching career, in your ministerial career, in your role as a parent, as a pop-pop, as a nana, God has hardly, if ever, taken you from point A to point B in a straight line. Can I get one witness? Most of our victories come in what I call the winding places. I learn a little there. I mature a little there. I disconnect from the wrong influence over there. I understand the purpose of the scar over there. I no longer hide from my insecurities over there. I am becoming what God called me to be with all of my defects, with all of my insecurities, I am becoming. And guess what I found out? Like Elijah, most of my victories are in the winding places of my life. And if I learn the lesson of the winding place, then what happens is I have an experience that I can share with somebody else. And beloved, I'm telling you that this that we're doing every three days a week, one o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time, this is a God thing. This is one of those winding place moments. This is an opportunity for us to be teachable and to be flexible, to operate in the spirit of humility, to possess compassion, and dare I not forget the last one, integrity. Remember years ago, and, and Coach Chelsea, you speak about this quite often, the prayer of Jabez. Man, that prayer of Jabez became so popular some years ago that the prayer of Jabez, the little devotional, it was available in the East Coast at the checkout counter at Walmart. Now, if you're down in the Bible Belt and you see a devotional at the checkout line, you won't blink twice. But I'm talking about Jersey, Brooklyn, New York, Manhattan. You're up in the Walmart and the prayer of Jabez is up on the shelf. Now, what does integrity got to do with the prayer of Jabez? It is the one thing that when we were running around the country teaching and preaching and singing about that, that we forgot to tell people. The prayer of Jabez is in the Old Testament. It's that chronological, uh, the genealogy. So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat. And you're like, oh, Lord, have mercy. When are we going to get to the point? Okay, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. And out of left field, here comes the word. And Jabez was more honorable than these. Like, out of context, nothing to do with the text, but everything to do with the enlarged territory. Can I suggest to you that God wants to enlarge our territory? But he doesn't want us to have enlarged territory just so that we can say, look at us. He wants us to have enlarged territory so that we may say, listen, this is the God that called me. He called Elijah out of obscurity. But Elijah's private preparation paid dividends because he said all of those days where I was coaching middle school B basketball, and I was treating them like they were a five-star recruit. I was telling them, I used to have, you know, on my team that I coach now, I have a high school team. And we, we took a five-win team and turned it over to a 15-win team. We've had some success. Do you know that I have some side out-of-bound plays named after the early church fathers? 
Now, keep in mind, I coach at a Christian school. But I'll be up in there, side out of bounds play. Polycarp, Polycarp. Pin down, roll off of it, see if they switch. But why? Because I want them to know from which, what they come from. And beloved, I just want to simply say to you today that if you learn the values of these kingdoms, you're, you're going to get a second chance. If you wash and mend your net, you're going to get a, a chance to cast it out again. And this time it's not going to come up empty. This time there's not going to be a, 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 a loss. This time there's going to be a gain. And if you, if you allow God, I, I want to say something very, very personal. And I, I debated whether to say it, but one thing I know about the Holy Ghost is, is when he tells me to say something. And I got to sleep at night, Coach Chelsea. So I'm just going to say it. When I was lingering outside of the will of God, based upon the bondage of my own wrong choices, lingering in a federal penitentiary on my way to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas for 60 and six years, a man came and bought me the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one night I went to bed, an inmate, and at two o'clock in the morning, there was a rushing mighty wind like it was Pentecost. Knocked me off of my bed, saved me radically, cut me, entrusted me, and instead of 66 years, I did four years in a federal penitentiary. Now, let me tell you what happened. And I wasn't going to say this, so I know it's the Holy Ghost. It was nothing more than my winding place. And while I was there, Coach Chelsea, Reverend Cheryl, pray for your brother. God spoke to me and he said, you're going to preach my word to the nations. I couldn't get out of my own way. I was addicted to narcotics and alcohol. I'm facing 66 years in a federal penitentiary. Do you know how overwhelming it is to have a lawyer hand you a piece of paper that says the United States of America verse? I said, God, if you don't come around here and help me, if you don't empower me, if you don't heal me, if you don't deliver me, well, guess what? I have not, one time I was preaching, oh, Lord, I'm long-winded. I was preaching a revival in Virginia. Keep going, Coach. Long since, long since delivered, long since healed, long since set free. And I woke up in the morning, I had to preach that night, and the Lord said, go back. Sometimes you're on the road, you're weary, you think you're hearing stuff. I dismissed it. I went, the Lord said, I said, go back. Would you not know, unbeknownst to me, I was only about 2.5 miles away from the facility that originally housed me. And God said, I want you to go back. I want, them to sh I want you to show them the power of transformation. I went there, and at that time, God opened up an incredible door for me to become a chaplain at a local hospital. I pull up to this huge complex barbed wire gates. Now, I was operating in unbelief because even though I knew what God said, I was really operating with, okay, God, I'll go out of obedience, but I know I ain't going to get in anyway. I get to the gate. The guard at the gate says, good morning, chaplain, and opens the gate. I drive through. I go to the place that housed me. I go up to the gate, state your business, whatever they come on. I had nothing to say. Now, I am a very chatty fella, as you can see. I had nothing to say. The only thing that came out of my mouth was this, Coach G. I said, I used to be here. I'm like, oh, Lord, why did you say that? <laughs> I go to walk back to my car thinking, okay, Lord, I could check that off my box. I was obedient. I did what you told me to do. And all of a sudden, the unmistakable sound of cast iron doors opening. <laughs> 
and I walked in as an ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ, no longer bound by the addictions of my own wrong choices, no longer caught up in what they thought I would become. And now the young guard had now grown to an older man, just like the man standing in front of him. And he looked me dead in the face and he said, if you tell me your name is Dennis McNulty, I'm going to fall on this floor. I said, Sarge, it's good to see you. And I promise you, you ever see those catchers at church that catch the people and cover them up with sheets? We needed one at that prison that day. And so now I go back and I go back to share the message of Jesus Christ. I preached at Trenton State Prison, maximum security level six prison in New Jersey. And at the end of the message, I make an altar call. Everybody comes up to the altar call. And I told the one brother, I said, man, I got the scars to prove it. God is going to raise you up. God's going to deliver you. I asked this brother where he's from. He said he's from the Dominican Republic. I anoint him on the head. I promise you this is exactly what happened. I'm a small guy. I'm five foot seven in the media guy, which means I'm five foot six for real. I anoint him on the head. He falls down on the floor. Has God ever moved so powerfully but in the wrong place? I'm sitting up in there and I'm like, Lord, now here? You're going you gonna to show out like this here now? God, this ain't it. This ain't the time for this. Next guy, where are you from? Broken English, Dominican Republic. Bang, fell down. Third brother, where are you from? Camden, New Jersey. As God is my witness, I said to them, I said, the Holy Spirit said, go home. Now, here's what I did not know. The first two were brothers from the Dominican Republic, both doing natural life. The third brother from Camden doing natural life. Inside of 30 days, all three were sent home. Why? Because God sent me there to tell him. And I'm telling you this, and I'm going to be done. My P.O. box was filled with letters from guys from the prison that didn't understand how the realm of the spirit works. So they're sitting up in there like, yo, come, <laughs> come touch, come pour oil on my head, preacher. I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm sorry. I said, man, it don't work that way. I said, I can only do what God told me to do. Here's the point, beloved. And I promise you, every fiber of my being didn't want to tell y'all that. And every fiber of the being was, if you be ashamed of me before men, I'm going to be ashamed of you before my father. Now, boy, if you don't tell them, that I can cause you to cause down fire from Mount Carmel if you first allow yourself to be cut in the cutting place. And as God promised, I done baptized people in the Jordan River. I done preached all up and down India. And man, you name a, you, you name a, a borough or a hamlet in Kingston, Jamaica, West Indies. I done preached all up and through there. And my first stop in every country I ever go to is the prison. Take me to those that are bound up. Take me to those that don't know about the value of the cutting place. Now, here's the good news. The good news is I was obedient to what God told me to do. The bad news is I may be out of a job. <laughs> so, so, so if any of y'all looking for a manager, <laughs> anybody looking for a third assistant, <laughs> I'll add your boy because <laughs> when they see this, they're going to be like, I knew there was something about that fool. No, here's the thing, beloved. Man, God has blessed me. I got an incredible wife. I got three amazing kids. My wife and I own three beautiful, uh, two beautiful daycare centers. I'm all about the kingdom, but I learned it the hard way. Teachable, flexible, humility, integrity, and compassion. Just now, I was pulling up to the church to be on time uh, to be with you all today. And, and a brother I know from back in the day, I uh, come up and uh, you, you know the old routine. Look, I need five dollars, you know. I said, come on, come on, come on in the church. I'm going to give you something. No, I don't want no food, Pastor. This is just now coming up to you. I said, come on in, come on in. I'm going to give you something. And I started to pray with him, start crying. And I said, why don't you stay? I'm about to go, no, no, I got to get out of here. The point is this, beloved. 
the, the time of your tears is over. It's time for you to manifest the power of God that's in you. And I want to say something to this small little cohort of us that are crazy enough to come out here and support this woman of God three days a week. You ain't seen nothing yet. This thing is getting ready to spread. This thing is getting ready because people long for what you started, Coach Chelsea. People long for this. They desire this. They just don't know where to get it. And so when Dorothy was talking about compartmentalizing our lives, that's what we're all guilty of doing. So when I'm coaching, I'm coaching. When I'm teaching, I'm teaching. When I'm preaching, I'm preaching. And God said, don't you understand the same power that's in you when you're coaching is the same power that's in you when you're out here on Periscope and Facebook and Zoom? Beloved, I got to go. I was way too long-winded today. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you, beloved. Thank you all for embracing me into your community. And know this, I'm telling you, the next time you cast it out, it's going to be different than the last time. God bless you until next time. Let me tell you something, Coach. You could have went for a whole nother hour, and I don't think anybody would have had a problem with that. I don't think anybody. Like, I'm looking down at Robert, and he's still shaking his head, and that's how I am over here. I just had to wheel myself back because I knew when you were winding up, I had to say something. Coach, there are so many things over here to the point where I'm on three notes, pages of notes, and I had to just stop. You have literally hit all of us you know I was reading down in the chat and you know it was just like wow he's talking to me today and that's when you know that the hand of God and the word of God is exactly aligned and he used you as his vessel I love when you talked about our scars and we're looking at our scars the wrong way we were looking at them as a reminder of the pain and the things that happen and no 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 they're a reminder that God heals and I laugh right now because I was just looking on my scars physical my physical body scars just the other day, I was talking to my doctor this morning about a surgery uh, I had unbeknownst to me in September, just about how God has brought me over again and again and again. So you about to have me spring about this chair because when we talk about blessings and victories in the winding place, that's how God does us all. And I don't want it any other way. If I'm being honest, I don't want it any other way because it's made me who I am. It made me lean on him. It made me understand him. It made me trust him. So I'm going to be quiet because I know Robert probably got something. And I'll come back in a second. But as you can tell, I am still in my wind and place moment, shouting all the way through it. So thank Thanks, you. God. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Wow. That's all I can say is wow. That was amazing and still is amazing. But, you know, Dennis reached out to me yesterday and asked me to say some prayers. And, and, and I told him that God and I got him. And, and it, your story is just, and thanks for sharing that. Thanks for going there with us. Um, just so much. And, and for me, it's, it's really, when you say that word beloved, it pierces to my soul because I know it's real and it's from God. And this whole group, I mean, I, you know, the, the, and you said at the beginning, this is a blessing. And, and you also said that we're just getting started. Um, you know, one of the passages that have been jumping out at me lately is I've heard it and read it and just keeps popping out is the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. It's, it's, we have to, we have to, there's plenty of work for us to do and God calls us to do it. And we have to, we, the, you know, not we as, as individuals, but we, we together, whether we're in Iowa or New Jersey or we're in Florida, wherever we are, whether we're, you know, Pentecostals or we're Baptists or we're Catholic, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's serving that. It's the, the, the we of us together, 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 
with the power of God. And we can, and I've said this before, and I really believe this, it's, we're this, we've been called, um, we've been called to change, to transform our world. And, you know, some, sometimes we worry about things that are going on somewhere else. And I was thinking about it, talking about somebody else, this very thing today is we forget that there's so many people in my neighborhood, in my school, in my church, wherever there are, there's, there's people that need us right where we are. And so this was, this was awesome today. And this whole group is, is amazing. And it's just kind of re-energized me every, every, you know, every, every week I get re-energized and think of new things. And, um, and Chelsea's right. You could, I mean, we could be here three or four hours from now and you could still be going and we would still be, learning and growing from you. So I, again, thank you. And, and thanks for everybody else. And just, I'll plug it out there again. Please send me your prayer requests. And I love being a prayer warrior for people, but you know, send those to me, but this was very just moving today. And what, have you written a book yet? Yeah, man. Um, I was going to get to that. So I know, I know it's God coach Paul. Um, I wrote a book on that on that very chapter. And it became an entire book. And the book is entitled A Place Called There. And uh, it's my journey from the cutting place to the brook drying up. And it ends on Calvary. And so there's various chapters. And about two years ago, the, the work just stalled. And I became disenfranchised and maybe compartmentalizing things. I'm not sure. But I want to just say this. Literally just this morning, the Lord said to me, it's time to pick that work up again. And so maybe to share it in such a public way, which I think was part of my fear, if I'm being honest with you, because, um, and I'm not saying this to boast, because I have nothing to boast in. If I boast, I boast in Calvary's cross. If you look around this office, you'll see that the Lord literally did for me what his word declares he would. He restored the years that the locust and the cankerworm and the caterpillar had eaten. And I was fortunate. I did, you know, just shy of four years, but that's a whole lot better than 66. And I was able to go back to college. I, I earned a degree, uh, even won some national accolades for uh, academic achievement. I went and did a hospital rotation as a chaplain. I, I live a blessed life. But I think it really was, because here's the thing, and I'm going to be done. Um, I'm Pentecostal. I say that seven times, and then the seventh time I mean it. Um, here's, here's the deal. Um, I was compartmentalizing it and I was afraid. And here's the thing. It really is that spirit of Jezebel again, because what happens is after his greatest victory on Mount Carmel, the very next thing we see is Elijah running from Jezebel, who said, I'm, I'm going to kill you. I'm going I'm I'm, By this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. And so I think I was running from, if the story be told, what opportunity would I lose? If, 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 if I'm being honest with you. So maybe doing this, in the, maybe meeting you, Coach, and coming on through Coach Payne's initial, that was the first time I joined you, and then seeing everybody's contribution. And I really did say, I said, man, this is the beloved community that we talk about. So it's out there now. <laughs> so, and the book is almost done. That's the crazy part about it. So I'm glad that you were sensitive enough to the leading of the Holy Spirit to ask that, Paul. Thank you. And thank all of y'all, man. Y'all, y'all are a great group. Man, good word today. Um, thank you, Robert. The Bible says we overcame. 
I've been tears by the, uh, the blood of the lamb and the words of that testimony. For seven years, my last collegiate job was at the University of South Carolina. And um, I won't say his name. When the AD came in, the assistant AD at the time said, the Holy Spirit said, I got to let you go. And I was angry for years because he said, you do a great job on the floor, but your off the court life is getting you. I wasn't doing anything in Columbia. I would leave the cities and travel and run around, do what I want to do. And I knew that that's, that's, I knew that's how God raised me. And, and I got to the top and got so prideful and, and took God out of the equation. But I used that pain for years. And I handled that pain for years. And um, just to hear your testimony, um, to go through that process, for, for God to, to, to take you through that windy curves of, of life and to bring you back and to bring you back in line with him. I was angry with God for years. Um, I could truly say today, I'm, I need to tears of joy because of that peace because God is restored. Um, you said cast that net out again. So I was fearful to cast that net out again because I was so scared of my past because it, I thought my past will come back up. My past will hold me back, but we serve a God who's faithful. And um, I cast my net back out. He began to open up doors and open up opportunities and there was a point in my life where I was uh, ashamed to share my testimony. Um, but God is great. We serve a great God. Um, we're here on Zoom. And, and the word of God hit my heart. That's the Holy Spirit just moving through, through, through your words. Your, 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 the five points you gave today, teachable, teachable flexible. Be, um, I can't even talk right now. Forgive me. And I've been talking. But the five points you gave, powerful. And I just thank God for your word. I thank God for your testimony. I thank God for your life. Chelsea, I thank God for you and everybody on this. And um, the Bible said, do not despise the days of small beginnings because this has opened up so many doors and so many opportunities. That I just believe God's going to continue, not just bless everybody on the scope, but bless everybody who comes to the scope because this is God. Um, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and and. And I, I just thank God for the word. And yeah, like I said, like I said, you could have preached for the five more hours. I love people who teach the Bible and, and teach it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me at all. Um, and since the Bible said I will bless those who bless me, since you bless me, I pray that God will overtake your lives, your life with blessings, Chelsea, your life, Dennis, uh, your wife's life, your children's lives, that everything your hands touch is just blessed. And, um, and I'm excited. And uh, when that book is ready to be released, send me a message, and I'll be the first one to buy it. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. I'm waiting for somebody to start singing, let the church. <laughs> I was just making sure I saw that our other Robert, he had came on for a second, so I want to make sure that no one else had anything they needed to say. Y'all got me all messed up. I, I, I have something I want to share. Sure. So, um, Pastor Minolte, Coach Minolte, how do you want to be, what should be called, Coach Dittis, uh, let, let me just share something with the whole, the whole group. Um, the Lord has put this on my heart last night, and I, was, I tried to reach Chelsea yesterday, um, but I couldn't get through. So, this is where I'm going with this, and, um, 
Y'all be prayerful for this. But uh, God has already ordained a servant leadership conference in Tallahassee in the spring. And it's for all of y'all. It's for everybody on this call. We need to gather. The power of the word has gone over these calls, but it's now time for us to unite face to face because it will be a great power for all of us to come together face to face. Um, and we don't have to bring in any mighty speakers. We don't have to get T.D. Jakes or anybody like that. The calls that have come on here, the presenters have already established themselves. And it's my prayer, if it's the Lord's will, we need to have a leadership conference in town, not because we're trying to bring other lives, which we do daily, but because this bond that has been created through the Holy Spirit, through Chelsea, is when you when you said, uh, uh, Coach Dennis, that the work is, 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 is a lot that can be done, there's more to come. I think that's where we're headed. We're headed to our first annual Serving Leadership Conference. And the reason I said Tallahassee is because our founding mother, our founding father is Miss Chelsea Johnson. Uh, the Lord led her to it. And so if we have one, it can revolve around from state to state. But the first one needs to be in Tallahassee. Now, y'all pray on that and see if the Lord leads y'all to working toward that. But that would be awesome if we could have a servant leadership, our first annual leadership, servanthood leadership conference in Tallahassee. And everybody's called, the people who have continued to be called. This just didn't happen. It, it didn't happen. When you look at the screen right now, if you go on the, the gallery right now, see all the faces. There's faces from many walks of life, from different races, different denominations. It just didn't happen. It, it just didn't happen. So y'all be prayerful on that to see if the Lord leads y'all to coming together, pulling that together. But that would be awesome if we could all see each other face to face because the power of God would really show his hand in what, what we've been doing and what we are typically do for the remainder of our lives. Thank you, Brother Dennis. You, you, you hit a spot today. I, I couldn't even write it all down. It was so much. I couldn't get it all on paper. Mm. But uh, thank you for what you shared. Thank you, brother. Thank yeah, you so much. Let me say this, Coach Daniels. It's so funny. I, I didn't get the call uh, yesterday. I need to go ahead and get a new phone because Coach Kendra's on here too, and she tells me she calls me, and I'm like, I'm sitting right here. But it's so funny, and it's confirmation. I'm literally sitting here in amazement because that was a conversation Kendra and I had a while back, uh, maybe the first after the first two months of this. So you truly have just given some confirmation. Uh, I told you all a while back that when God talks to me, when they talk about writing a vision and making it plain, it's like that should have had a V8 commercial. It literally has to like hit me in my head. And, you know, Kendra and I talked about this very thing. Even Coach Chris had messaged me about if there were a season getting our teams together down here in Tallahassee. And so, you know, there's constant reminders over and over. And you just saying that has me literally in this. I can't even explain where I am because, again, like I said, God has to to truly put it plain. And I just thank you for that confirmation. And, and I'm with it and I claim it to be so as well. So you know, let's work on that. I think Coach McKay has something, but I had to just tell you that wow moment because me and Kendra literally were just talking about it the past couple of months. Hello? We hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Hey, um, I know. Oh, Coach McKay? <laughs>
Coach McKay, and can you hear us? I can get emotional or something. I'm gonna try not to. All right. But man, it was it was so powerful and it was much needed. You know, and I talked to Chelsea probably 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 too much, but I tell her just everything I'm going through and I just your word just was right on time. It was right on time. And brother, I wanna say thank you for today's message. It has definitely helped me so much. And I and I and I will be a better person today because of this message. So brother, thank you so much for today. Um, I hope God continues to bless you. Um, and I and I know you said that you had some gators that you know that you wore with your purple lab. I would love to see what that outfit looked like when you went on that interview. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Do we have anybody else? Yeah, I'll yeah. go. Uh, Coach Chris Burnett here. Uh, Coach, so I'm more of the observant type. Um, I typically have to watch these replays to get the gems, and then I'll post it on social media uh, to support Coach Chelsea and to spread the message. But uh, I just had to say something on this one. Uh, it, 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 it was great. I'm actually on um, two Zoom calls. Got another one with Coach Gino, and there's like 250 people in it. And I was just like, I'll see you guys later. I got to stay tuned to this. And they're like, okay, that's awesome. I got the recording for you. But uh, – yeah, like it, it was it was amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um it just it drawed my attention. I can't really I don't even have the words. It it, it was great. Um and uh also thanks to uh Miss Cheryl for doing a commentary down there too, writing. But uh yeah, I was just wondering like, do you do personal calls? I need I need a pastor, I need my own pastor. But uh it, it was great. Thank you for sharing, really appreciate it. You got this uh, mojo swag that I, that I really like. So I just wanted to let you know that and to say thank you again. Well, thank you, Coach Chris. And I think if I've got the right young lady, uh, some congratulations are in order. Social media is a funny thing, but I thought I remember seeing something that somebody either liked or reposted that something significant happened in your coaching life or teacher life. Am I, am I right about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got a, so I'm a teacher in the uh, inner city Cincinnati, and I got a distinguished uh, educator. I'm also an accomplished teacher, too, which is, like, very small. But, you know, I work hard, and, you know, all glory to God, so thank you. Amen, amen. See, I see social media sometimes gets it right. You got it right that time. Yeah, you see me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, let's just address that quickly. Um, anybody that wants to connect with me, you know, for anything of, of any reason, uh, my social media handle is Lighthouse FWC on most social media. My Twitter, I think, is Lighthouse FWC. Uh, but then I have like a real preacher email, easy to remember, uh, Advance the Kingdom, and then the number 1111 uh, at yahoo.com. So Advance the kingdom 11 at yahoo.com and um i do some preaching in florida and a little bit everywhere before the pandemic hit um but i say this um you all have been an oasis for me this has been really something incredible since i partnered with you all and i'm committed to coming out as our schedule allows and um let's just keep on keeping on you know they're laying to rest congressman john lewis today so uh you know let's get into some good trouble together and uh, see if we can advance the kingdom of God together. And oh, by the way, if uh, we can collaborate, you know, that's really what the kingdom is about. 
Jesus said, Father, I pray that they become one as you and I are one. I have a brother that's pretty successful in the business sector and he don't go outside of his phone for nothing. Anything he needs in life, you got a contact in that phone. And I think the kingdom is well represented here. So thank you all a million times today. Thank you. Coach G, did you have something? I want to make sure we're good before we clear out. Yeah, I'm going to keep it quick, man. Um, Pastor Dennis, Coach Dennis, whatever you may want to be. Transparency is huge. So you know, thanks for, for sharing your story, first and foremost. If you didn't share that, it was still going to be a great message because I was like, my man over here preaching, preaching today. Okay. So, which I'm not mad at that at all. I mean, it was a big time message. I mean, the, the, the people that was on here today, it was hitting home for everybody. So that was huge. But to bring your own personal perspective in there is, um, is another testimony in itself. And to be able to share that, listen, they can't deal with you 100%. Deal with them zero. I know you were saying maybe I should say it, maybe I shouldn't. I, I can't deal with you. This is me. This is what I was. This is what I've been through. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm trying to get to. I can't deal with you. That's it. Okay, fine. As I said earlier, addition by subtraction or whatnot. But, um, you know, my church home situation is so-so, and then with the pandemic and everything, I'm like, hey, you can figure out somewhere where I can, you know, get some word, congregate, whatever you want to call it. I'm scrolling down, don't know Chelsea from the man on the moon, and she said, hey, come on in. And I was like, and I've been here for, what, three months now, whatever? Time just flies. It was one day, and next thing I know, I see a bunch of faces every every three days out of the week. So, you know, I'm thankful for it. Thank your message and you know keep doing what you're doing man thank you coach g yes sir we glad to have you coach g um i know technology gets a little weird i'm gonna see speaking of scars and it's healing but i point that out for a reason i'm gonna say this in closing and turn it turn it over to you to close us out um you know not even a well actually today marks a year um from when i woke up um just from regular sleep, thought I slept wrong. I don't really sleep wild um, and had a crook in my neck. Um, that crook in my neck lasted for months. And then over time, after people told me and prescribed different muscle relaxers and all of these things, um, I found myself in this August and it's September. And now I have no feeling in my right side, my whole arm, my fingers, nothing. Um, you know, I had been in these winding places before, um, where God sits me down and tries to get me to understand outside of what I see, you know, what, outside of what I feel physically. Um, I go down to Shands in Gainesville at University of Florida and I get a rib removed. I get a rib removed and I get veins reconstructed in order for my feeling and everything in my limbs to come back. But it's amazing when you speak about the winding places because 10 years ago, when I was diagnosed with a brain aneurysm, I found myself in the winding place yet again. And then 10 years before that, I was on my way to a D1 scholarship and tore my ACL and lost many of them in a winding place again. And I say all this to say that all of those scars that you speak of, I love that you put it so eloquently when you said, we look at them 
not as a reminder of the pain or the scars or what, what happened to us. We look at them that God's a healer to show his evidence over and over again. And when I tell people, even in moments of those winding places, as you speak of, we have to trust them when we can't trace them. And the way we do that is from the track record. So I thank you so much, Pastor. It's just for all of those words because they truly hit home on another level. I thank all of you all because I literally am just the mouthpiece. I'm literally the person that's pushing an agenda, but it takes all of us to keep this thing going and encourage each other. And as I put in the chat, I'm so thankful to have all of this new family. Um, I claim everything that you've confirmed, Coach Daniels, you too, Kendra, everybody on this call. It will be so. It will be so. And I can't wait to welcome you all to my home city and state. Uh, so I just thank you so much for being here, Coach, and coming on today and empowering us. So I'm going to pass it to you to say any final things and close us out in prayer. Yeah, thanks again. Thanks a million times, guys. I, I appreciate this opportunity today, and uh, I appreciate this community. I end basically all of my broadcast here at the church by saying, and I'd ask you to partner, or at least consider partnering to do this. I say, don't forget what we've partnered to do build each other up and not tear each other down. And we further partnered to build Christ's church and to advance his kingdom. And so if any of that is anything that you're interested in, then partner with us to do that because uh, it takes no skill to tear something down, but it takes skill and wisdom to build something up. So let's build each other up. And um, with that, uh, I don't know, I was trying to catch President Obama, but I think I might've preached through that. I might have to catch that on the highlight reel. But I, I don't know if they're still in church now, then I hope they bought some of those little church mints. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, it is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we thank you for this wonderful and gracious opportunity. Thank you, Lord, that um, the five values of the kingdom must be learned, not to just regurgitate, not to recite, but to make applicable in our lives. Teachability, flexibility, humility, compassion, and integrity. And then, Lord, help us to remember the story of Elijah, that you could take somebody from relative obscurity and in a moment, Give them a national platform. Give them a word that is for the nation. And then, Lord, until such time, maybe we're never called to the nation. Help us to be called to the neighborhood. Help us to be effective in our lot in life. Bless, oh God, this, these that have heard this word today. There's even been prophecy that has been spoken relative to the city of Tallahassee. God, let your will be done, oh God. Give us an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. So God, as we go from this place, but never from thy presence, go before us, God, we pray. Be with us, oh God. Be our shield, be our defense, be our anchor, be our battle axe in war. And oh God, give us grace as we go to our next place called the winding place. God, we do love you today. In Jesus' name, God's people said, thank God and amen. Amen. Thank you so much, coach. We appreciate You're welcome. Thanks, guys. The part of the weekend I don't like. I'll miss you guys until Tuesday at the same time, same place. Thank you guys so much.